Hey guys, so I think I've got a pretty interesting lineup for you for this week's podcast. We're going to try to tackle social justice in the classroom, which is a really scary topic for a lot of educators. I mean, what it comes down to is actually creating a space in your classroom where a student can do the heavy lifting work required with dealing with social justice topics and not having it be something that you preach or, you know, really involving your own points of view or really even weigh in on the discussions with social justice topics. Uh, We're also going to talk a little bit more about the importance of reading. And I've got an interview lined up in that same vein with Katie Gress, one of my students. And we're going to finish off the podcast with some music that I absolutely love from a band I've been listening to since I was 13. They're a bunch of goth chicks with cellos, electric cellos, called Rasputina. So I hope you guys are excited and ready to go. I've always felt like I was a teacher that included social justice or identity work in my classroom with my students. I've never done a unit or a project that focused so heavily on it. Working with the five graphic novels that we're using for this unit, Persepolis, Mouse, Kindred, Achiro, and American-born Chinese, those issues and multicultural concerns really come to the forefront and it'd be almost impossible not to have conversations dealing with social justice and the lack of equality that really thematically gets expressed through these texts. It's something that I've oftentimes wanted to have my students be able to discuss and explore but I've never actually had such a focus on it. Um, This is a little terrifying, to be honest. Um, I mean, coming from the teacher that has a four-foot-wide pride flag behind their desk uh, that works with students from all uh, genders and sexualities as part of sponsoring the GSA, Uh, I have been a champion for voices uh, in the community as often and frequently as possible. It's terrifying (laughs) to figure out where the boundaries lie with my profession, with what is right and just in the world, with helping students be able to explore themselves and their identities, and to try to develop critical thinkers, people who can evaluate evidence and choose what it is that they believe from all of the media that they consume. It's so daunting. Uh, I One of the greatest victories that I ever had um, is working with students in that They feel comfortable. It's a safe space for them, not just for the students that, uh, you know, might be aligned 
with what they perceive to be my views but for students that know that they you know disagree with with me or my views uh, i've had students even compliment the fact that even though they felt like they were very different thinkers than me they still felt comfortable and able to express themselves in class this coming from some very conservative students uh, and that, to me, is the biggest victory. It's not um, making the student feel safe who thinks they're already safe. Um, so really trying to be a champion for all voices. I think that that's really what safe space should be, is a place where students can express themselves without fear of judgment, uh, especially from teachers. And then teaching students how to be able to do that with each other, that's really where the work comes in. So for this unit, one of my big struggles right off the bat, and I've asked a couple colleagues about this, is that I want to include some different social justice topics for my students to explore. You know, right? Makes sense. They're going to have to pick one out of their graphic novels to use in their podcast and focus on that. But whose definition? <laughs> Do I just give them uh, social justice definitions written by quote-unquote social justice warriors? Do I give them definitions written by the most liberal members of society and say that this is the truth? Or do I give them something more moderate, um, something less uh, inflammatory, something less uh, vital, you know, and just kind of ignore the fact that Oftentimes, these definitions aren't just words. They're human beings struggling for their lives, uh, human beings struggling to overcome oppression in our society. Uh, you know, like, how do I moderate that? How do I make it less, um, you know, less controversial? But is that really something that I should do? And then there's the question of what about voices on the right? They also have their own definitions of these words and these terms, and they have their own feelings and opinions. And do I just silence those because they're not aligned with the voices that are in the text we're reading? Uh, or do I actually include them too? So I've actually found a couple different... Um, I guess you could say glossaries of terms, social justice terms. And I found one that was very alt-right. I think what I'm going to do is actually give students both definitions and then let them choose which one they like or align with most and then get them to actually express why they feel that way. You know, listen to their voices about what it is with one definition they like better than a different definition. Maybe even have them come up with their own definitions after reading both. But I think that that will hopefully be enough to not get me fired, but still allow students to explore some of these really important topics, perhaps the most important topics in society, um, and that's always been my conflict, is the knowing that what students really need to talk about, there's definitely people out there who feel like that's exactly what they shouldn't be talking about. 
And that's really the conflict. And I think that's also why a lot of educators shy away from social justice work in their classrooms. But that's where we're headed, and that's what I'm going to try. So if you've got any feedback or any ideas on how I could do this more democratically um, or more truthfully, uh, let me know. I'm interested. Uh, I would love to get feedback from the teaching community or also from my student listeners, too. This is something that I'd love for students in my classroom to listen to and eventually give feedback before I even give the lessons. Um, You know, maybe that's what education needs is actually student voices being involved in student learning. Crazy, I know. But uh, what I've got for you guys next, I ask uh, the larger community about what they felt social justice was. Granted, this was over spring break, and I <laughs> polled teachers and students. So I got a couple responses, which is pretty good. Um, but I'll play those clips for you, and then we'll get rolling with our next segment, which is actually going to go back to reading. Social justice means doing what is right for the people around you and what you think is in their best interest. When I think of what social justice is, I think back to what John Locke said, um, that everyone needs to have an equal opportunity to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, whether it's going to be fair or the same amount of effort required, I'm not sure, but just that everyone has an equal opportunity to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yay! I've learned a lot with this week's podcast. Probably one of the most significant things is to actually turn the vibrations off on my phone so that way when I get notifications, it doesn't buzz while I'm recording. Another really important thing that I learned to do was actually develop some kind of script. I'm looking at it right now and I've actually deviated from it quite a bit. All of the pieces are still here. It's just that as I've gone through the recording process, I've mixed them up. So I think that a script is a great place to start with your podcast and kind of get your ideas down and kind of figure out the way that you want it to go. And then everything changes the moment you start to do recording. So I think being comfortable is a really good place to start. Uh, And what I mean by comfortable is just embrace the chaos. Embrace the fact that it's not going to work the way that your plan says it was going to work. And you have to be comfortable with that. Another thing that I've been working through with this podcast is really just how to include more student voices. I think that that's going to be a lot easier when I'm back in the classroom starting this week and I can actually do some interviews with groups and I can interview students on how they're doing with their reading. Uh, I think that that's going to be one of the most valuable pieces of this podcast as I go forward is to actually talk with students about what it is they're reading and what I'm reading and kind of just explore things together more. I think it'll be a really great tool for that. 
Uh, so for this week, the interview is with uh, Katie Kress, who is a student that I just started teaching this year. She's not one of the ones I taught as a ninth grader. And she is a runner, she is an amazing student, and she has been a lifelong reader. So part of what I started last week was a conversation around reading and why it's important and kind of where those formative moments with reading translate to further on in your reading life. I also talk with her a little bit about uh, what teachers can do to support readers in the classroom and also what teachers can do to kill that for their students. So Katie's had really great experiences, but I'll let her tell her story. So thank you guys and enjoy this week's interview. So for starters, uh, who are you? Um, I'm Katie Kress. Hi, Katie. Hi. So how long have I been teaching you? Um, just this year. Just this year. Yep, yep, yep. And what do you think so far? I love your class. It's very fun and engaging. And it always makes my morning really great. Awesome. So on that note, um, I just kind of want to talk to you a little bit about reading. So when did you first start reading? Um, I started reading pretty young. Um, <laughs> my sister was <laughs> my sister was really like, I don't know. My sister was really big in reading. <laughs> so she always like, I would always just read the book she gave me. But um, I don't know. I was kind of more, I never was a big reader until... I kind of got into middle school and then I started like, you know, just going to the library more and like checking out books that I was actually interested in. So, Oh, that's cool. Going back to your sister, <laughs> did she ever read to you as a kid? Yes, she did. Um, a lot of like the books like we still have in our bookcase, she would always read to me. She's, um, she's three years older than me, so she always like taught me stuff. That's really awesome. That. I'm kind of jealous, like, <laughs> so going back to, like, your early, early reading life, did your parents ever read to you, too, or was it just your sister? Yes, it was mostly, like, my parents, a lot of, like, of my mom and my grandma. Oh, cool. Time. Yeah. That's awesome. So, was that, like, a nightly thing? Yeah, we would, it was, like, I don't know, like, how most kids were raised, you know, read, like... I don't know. I guess it's kind of different now, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but we would like my sister and I would get like read books before bed and stuff like that. So that's so cool. Yeah, I grew up a lot like that too. Like yeah. there were a lot of things that um, you know, I, I I think like my my parents really got the reading right, or at least my mom did. Yeah. So that made a that made a really big difference, I think. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see. And kind of the reason why I'm asking that question is I wonder how much of success later on academically is determined by parents just reading to their kids when they're little. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really important, important thing because it, I mean, reading, like the studies have shown that it's like, it helps in like all areas. Not, yeah. Not just oh, yeah. everything else. So, like, I don't know. It helps you, like, I 
guess like grow and also like as a writer and stuff it lets you like see different opinions and like I don't know like give you like a better vocabulary and understanding and stuff like that yeah no definitely mm-hmm. uh, I mean if you think about it well our thinking is literally in words yes. so the words we know the more clearly we can think for sure it's kind of terrifying to think about people running around with like half-built vocabularies Mm -hmm. they're basically seeing their own thoughts in black and white instead of color yes for sure so middle school you said you got really into books uh what happened i don't know i started like finding more books that i was interested in like per se i guess so i'm really into like history books and stuff like that stuff that's actually happened in the past and like what's currently happening I don't know like true stories based on like current events and stuff like I just like reading about that stuff so it's kind of carried on all the way to to, today that's awesome and I like I still read those oh cool yeah so more historical um did you ever get into historical fiction or is it just biography just just real stuff um mostly was historical fiction so, oh very cool yeah so like what were some of your favorite titles um i really liked i don't know i liked stuff like the book thief probably the book thief was my favorite even though it wasn't like a true like it was still happening like during all of the controversial stuff happening and like yeah. how i don't know i just i like those kind of Oh, very cool. Very cool. There's several authors that, if you ever get time, I could throw you some books that I've got yeah, on my book shelf. There's yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, Edwidge Danticott is incredible. She is a... Oh, I, I, like, I'll want to die if I get this wrong. I think she's from the Dominican Republic. But she's... Or Haiti. She is... Mm-hmm. Un- and um, just really cool author and I really hope I'm getting that right Uh, but okay so final question and really final topic if you think about high school how has that helped or hurt you as a reader I think it's helped me because it kind of gives me more of a sense of I guess everything because if I wasn't reading books at an early age I wouldn't be able to like I don't know interpret different like articles and like difficult like different things in history or social studies I don't know it's just help with that sort of thing so I can like yeah a lot of perspective has gone into like what I've been like reading for school like for so many years and it helps when you're also reading stuff that you're interested in so it does make it easier like especially with like the difficult vocabulary and like parts of speech and stuff like that no very cool do you ever feel like teachers kill your love of reading or have tried to and you've had to fight back um i say in high school no not really yet because um i had miss bell last year and she was awesome and then obviously i have you so that's awesome too so like i don't know both of you guys are like really good teachers and have like helped me with that so like not yet but <laughs> good I hope like what um if you could just I'm curious what do you feel like I've done to support you as a reader this year 
I think what you've done to support is like I don't like you always like make sure to like explain it in like a better perspective I guess like you make it more interesting not just like oh we're going with the AKS or whatever like you put that in there because you have to obviously but you also like do other stuff to like make it more interesting and like make us like really learn a lesson if we're like interested in it if like certain people obviously are paying attention um, <laughs> yeah so like and like that's kind of what I take away a lot of the time um just to like learn different things also not to just you know get a certain test grade or something like that it makes me like realize like you can do different things to really learn that's but, cool yeah yeah learning versus just grades that's yes, exactly. um that's something I definitely believe in uh, as far as reading goes, has there been anything I've done this year that's been really instrumental in, like, promoting a healthy reading life? Um, I think when we did the zines, that really helps because, to be honest, I kind of got, like, in a reading, like, I don't know. I wasn't reading for a while because I was just so, I don't know. I got stressed with a lot of things at school. Yeah. And then once I, like reading that book when I read The Maze Runner like it gave like I had like almost like I had to read it to get the grade but it also like then I started to realize like that I actually like reading makes me like more calm and focused and it helps me with like, a lot of different aspects and then also being able to like apply the stuff from the book into the zine was cool so that's all that helped a lot and it made awesome. me like now, now I'm like reading different books right now <laughs> like good. Then I've read like two different books which is good Oh, that's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I like to almost think of it like a reading jumpstart. Sometimes we need those. So you're a runner, and one of the things I love to do is listen to stuff while I run. Uh, Is that something you've ever tried, or does that just not kind of work for you? Yeah, um, actually, like, yeah, for a long time, I, I... Listen to the I listened to the audiobook Born to Run. That really helped me, especially when I was like feeling really down. Yeah. But also like I'll listen I'll either listen to like good music, like like that gets me motivated, or also like if I'm not like running with anyone. Because sometimes it can be hard to like yeah. just go for a run by yourself. Yeah. Or I'll listen to um in a different podcast like about different goals and like how to like be motivated and stuff that just always helps me because it like gives me like a reason to like push myself i guess that's cool that's awesome yeah. well very cool i appreciate your time and well, you. i'll have to figure out how to do the editing part of one of the reasons why i'm doing this is so that way i can work on um you know how to actually do it so that way i can help you guys also yeah, but, uh, for sure. But uh, I have a great rest of your spring break. And you I'll too. see you on the flip side. Yeah, definitely. Okay. See Bye. Bye. Another big podcasting mistake that I made right off the bat was I never actually gave myself an introduction. So what I have next is more or less an interview with myself.
Ironically, one thing that I have not done yet is actually introduce myself. I realize that this is probably not a very good move as a podcaster. I think there's a large degree of hubris that goes into being a podcaster and just the belief that your voice will hold an audience, that you're actually interesting or you have enough to say about a topic or an issue that it's important enough to put out to the whole world. That's pretty ridiculous to me, but it happens and it works and people enjoy it. So obviously it's a good medium and it's successful and look, I'm making one, uh, which is very surprising to me, but You know, I think that's part of good teaching is you end up doing things that you never thought you would do, much the same that we ask students to do things that they never thought they would do either. But about me, um, well, my name is Glenn Rhodes, and I'm 36, and I teach in a suburban school in a, well, in a suburb of Atlanta, like most of Georgia is really just a suburb of Atlanta. My audience for this podcast, at least intended, is my students and the teaching community. I don't really see this becoming a world-famous phenomenon of just Americana like so many podcasts have. But if I can do something where I can talk with my students and engage with them in a way that isn't just as a teacher standing in front of the classroom holding all of the grammar knowledge and actually talk about things of substance, Um, you know, books and society and culture and how what we do in class actually interacts with the rest of the world, I feel like it'll add some credence and credibility to not only myself and the profession, but also maybe provide some avenues and inroads to build some relationships, which is my favorite thing about teaching. That's actually why I became a teacher. And this year in my classroom in particular, I've gotten what feels like so far away from that so often with so many students. And not to blame testing culture, not to blame the focus on standards. Uh, It's amazing. My students are showing an extreme growth of proficiency in their skills on standardized tests, which is fantastic. I don't feel that closeness with them anymore. I don't feel like I've really built the same level of relationships. And I kind of hope that podcasting is just another way to kind of build those relationships. You know, uh, something that extends beyond just the person standing at the front of the room that's supposed to hold all the knowledge and have the answers to all the questions and say the things that the students write and you know that normal idea of what a teacher is supposed to be I never liked teachers I couldn't stand them I couldn't stand high school Uh, it was a terrible awful time in my life and that's one of the reasons why I came back to teach was to maybe find people that were also struggling or lost and confused and maybe give them some hope. Which, hmm, look at that. It's the name of the podcast.
Sometimes I feel like the biggest fraud ever. I am a terrible reader. I don't mean that I can't read. I mean that I don't carve out the time or really put the effort in to make sure that I read as much as I should. I don't want this podcast to be just another social media, Instagram, perfect, idealized identity as a reader where I present this perfect reading life to you. My reading life is not perfect. There's so many times that I should read that I don't. And I feel guilty about that. I'm not going to lie and say that I don't, but I also don't want you to ever feel as guilty as you might about not reading as much as you should. Reading is something that you go through phases with. I will be a better reader someday, and I will be a worse reader, conceivably, than I am now. I have a book that's set on the counter. I can see it in my mind. Me, Earl, and the dying girl has sat on the same spot on the counter now for two weeks, and I promised myself I would read it over break. I didn't. Am I going to read it before next podcast so I can talk with you about it? I really hope so. I'm definitely going to be digging into the graphic novels that we're reading in the classroom with my students. I've already started to do that. And I'll be able to share my experiences with them, with you, and with them through this podcast. But I'd also like to share my own experiences as a reader outside of the classroom. So that means that I'm going to have to do some reading. To finish up this week's podcast, I want to give you a glimpse into who I was when I was in high school as an edgy, angsty, gothy teen. Melora Krieger has been part of a band called Rasputina since I was probably 13 with long black hair and undercut and way too much eyeliner and painted fingernails. I was the prototypical goth kid. And this band, though I'm no longer nearly as angry as I was, still resonates very much with me in that it's harshly critical of society, uh, deeply historical, and very whimsical. It's made up of three women, uh, very goth, with very electric cellos, who wail away and perform really in the underground circuit all across the country. They chose not to get big and have lives outside of their own band. And I have a lot of respect for that. So without, a f- without further ado, I will give you Rasputina. Rasputina.